0: Morning, brothers and sisters. Thank you for all attending. I'm very grateful to see everybody. I have the privilege of introducing a good friend and a great pastor. I will not be preaching, so you guys can relax. He's very been very encouraging. He was my pastor on Oahu. Uh, he was a great brother to us there before we came to maui i'm very delighted that he was able to come out so thank you his name is shane sowers he's over here he's got a lovely wife and three beautiful children who could not be here today but he's going to be here and he's going to bring the bring the word so shane you guys give him a welcome please Appreciate this. Thank you so much, and uh, this is an exciting day uh, for me. I've just over the years just watching this transformation with Randy. It's been pretty amazing as to how far he's come and how he's changed. I mean, even change in appearance. I mean, the last time I saw him, he looked very 5-0. Now he kind of looks like Moses. I mean just wow the change and hey nick where's nick nick impressive man i didn't know you uh you led worship here you kind of kept that quiet so it's not true rappers can sing (laughs) and i just want to uh to say to uh yeah pastor mike uh his, uh, I've known Pastor Mike for a while. Um, pastor Mike has always been a, a good man and a pastor that um, the Southern Baptist Convention has definitely um, looked up to and respected over the years. And it's just it's a little a little different here, Pastor Mike, because I think the last time we were in this situation, um, I was a lot thinner and you had less gray. <laughs> what, wasn't anyway, I love that family. There's sons. I mean, there's absolutely amazing, talented sons. You know, they. You know I've been helping them record their CD. Well, actually, I've been helping them record their CD, but they haven't finished it yet. So can you help me with that? Okay. Anyway, I better get to work before Pastor Mike gets upset. Um, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 5. Now, this is probably going to be a little different for... A lot of you, especially when it comes to an ordination service, um, you know my my thought was when I came out here, I was just going to do the typical standard. This is Randy. This is what you're supposed to do, Randy. This is not what you're supposed to do. This is what the Bible says you're supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to act, church. This is how you're supposed to treat Randy, church. You know, be nice to your pastor. But you know what? My thought was this: Randy should know all this already. If he doesn't, you made a mistake. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 5. Here we have the coming, a judgment that was coming upon Israel for forsaking Jehovah. And there is a call to Israel to repent of their faithlessness. And this call was given by the prophet Jeremiah. But what happened here, family, is the people refused to repent. And so the Lord declares judgment to come upon the people. So Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30 to 31. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their, dis- at their direction. My people love to have it so. But what will you do When the end comes, this is the word of the Lord. May he hold its truths in our hearts forever. Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings that you have given us. We thank you for the blessing that we have just to know that you invite us to come into your presence and to worship you. The privilege that we have to worship you and call you our God, the God that created heaven and earth in this universe and to know and be comforted that you look down upon us and call us your children. So, God, I pray that you be with, be with us here as we, we study your word, as we look into your word, and we pray that your word will continue to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember an Aesop fable? And Disney actually turned it into a cartoon It was the grasshopper and the ants. I'm sure you guys saw that. And the story goes that during the summer, the ants were busy and they were working and they were gathering food and preparing themselves for the winter. But the grasshopper was not. The grasshopper played, talking and singing about how the world owes us a living. And he sang and played his fiddle and he danced. And then the queen ant came up, looked at the grasshopper, and says, you know, you're going to change your tune when winter comes. Things are going to be different when the snow comes. And the grasshopper looked at the queen and said, ah, stop worrying. And he kept playing his fiddle, singing and dancing all the way until winter came. The question is, what will he do? Well, what happened in the story is he froze. He was cold. And he was suffering from starvation because he was not ready. So in a similar fashion, the Israelites were warned by the prophets at the time. And time and time again, they warned them to repent. Repent and turn back to God. Because if they didn't, judgment was going to come upon them. And God warns the people Through Jeremiah, but they did not heed the warning. The prophets instead prophesied lies. The priests began to rule the way they thought they should rule, and the people loved it. They loved it that way, but the question remains, what will you do when the end comes? Will you be ready? Well, guess what? Judgment came, and destruction came, the temple was destroyed, and they were taken into captivity in Babylon. But family, today, there is a lot of preaching. We hear a lot of messages, and communication has just exploded, and we hear sermons on the radio, on TV, we see it in blog, read it in blogs, we hear it on podcasts, and you know, of course, we have thousands and thousands of books. And All of these things are giving a message, a message to the church. But one of the things that I think that we need to come to grips with now at this time, especially at this time, is a lot of the messages that we hear, they're just not good. A lot of the messages that we hear are false hopes. A message of peace when there really is none. Just like the prophets at that time, we're hearing preaching of lies, falsity, and we see this in an endless, endless supply. I mean, I, I say to Central Baptists all the time, it's like sometimes when I go into Christian bookstores and I look at all the racks of books that they have up there, and then I go into Barnes & Noble and I see that one rack of Christian books, and it's like, wow, I think there's more heresy in Christian bookstores than they are in Barnes & Noble. I mean, this is a a serious thing that's beginning to unfold, and we're beginning to see this happen more and more. And not only that, but we're seeing church leaders. Church leaders are beginning to lead worship any way they want to. We're seeing motocross now in churches. We're seeing literal circuses in churches. We're seeing all kinds of things in churches these days. And people are doing it for an end, yes, but they are doing it any way they want to. You see... They seek direction from church consultants instead of the scriptures. We're watching some of the most influential churches in America with their services that resemble more of a rock concert. We're hearing sermons from influential pastors that represent more of a comedy routine. And and pastors now who are better off with MBAs than MDivs. Things have changed. Things are continuing to change. But what we need to do is we need to not deceive ourselves. Let's not deceive ourselves. This was an abomination to God in Jerusalem. And he judged them, destroying the Holy Land and destroying the temple. And this is what I think we've got to get clear in our minds. If he did it to them, we better believe that he will do it to us. What are we going to do when the end comes? Throughout all of church history, we see battles for certain aspects of the church doctrines in the church. We see that early on, we see a battle where the church was having to fight for the truth regarding the divinity of Christ. Battling for the truth concerning the authority and the reliability of God's word. The truth, and we've seen, you know, 500 years ago that we battled for the truth of justification by faith alone. Today, we actually have a battle that I think many of us are not aware of. We are fighting for the truth of the church. What is the church? What is the church supposed to be? Who is the church for? Who is this person we call a pastor? Do you know that some churches are not calling them pastors anymore? They're calling them life coaches now. Things are changing, and it's changing pretty rapidly. What is the pastor supposed to do? And who is the church supposed to be? And family, this is why I'm preaching this today. We are fighting for the truth of the church. We need to recognize and realize that, that there is a battle. Sometimes I wonder, you know, we look at church history, and we see Christians were battling for so many things and fighting for so many things in the church and, and, and fighting false teaching, errors, false prophets, all those types of things throughout all the history. And it's funny, it almost seems like we have a mentality that in the, the 21st century, they all just disappeared. And we don't have any anymore. But that's simply not the case. So today, I'm not just charging Randy. We're charging all of you here today. But though it seems that sin continues to cause us to believe lies, sinness causes us to take control of our own lives. Today, family, take heart. Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He will ensure that when the end comes, we will not die. We will dance. So let's take a look at it. Scripture says a, a shocking and a horrible thing. Some of your translations an appalling and a horrible thing has happened in this land. This was a frightful thing. It was atrociously horrible. When you look at the Hebrew shama, you can almost say it. What has happened in this land is unbelievable and shocking. Another way you could translate this is something frightful, something atrociously horrible has happened in the land. Family and friends, I don't know if you can get more explicit than that. This is an intense beginning. He is bringing this in, and it's sharp. It's there. It's hard. But what was this thing? Well, we see three things. The first thing is we see prophets that prophesy falsely. Now, this is unthinkable. This is why it's unbelievable. What is a prophet? A prophet is a person who's supposed to speak whose words? God's words, but instead he's preaching his own. And God's words are truth, but instead these prophets are preaching lies. That's unthinkable. That's unheard of. Now, this is what was going on in the land. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 21 through 22. 23, verse 21 through 22. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my council, now get this, watch this, Randy, watch this. But if they had stood in my council, they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned from their evil way and from their evil deeds. Wow. Are, are you telling me? that in order for us to make a difference in the lives of people and to see transformation, repentance, and salvation is that all we're supposed to do is preach the word? Wow. I, I just don't know if that's what we're being taught in seminaries these days. That all we have to do is preach the word. If we would just preach God's word, we would see transformation. If we would just follow his counsel and his direction that he's laid out for us, it would bring repentance and the turning of evil. But I wonder today, do we even believe this anymore? Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 14, They have healed the wound of my people lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. They lied to the people to make them feel better because that's what the people wanted. They manipulated them, but that's what the people wanted. Today, I think the proclaimers of the word of God, which are our pastors and our ministers today, we have a responsibility to preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We're told by experts. Experts are telling us now, don't preach the word. It, it makes people feel like sinners, and you know, if people feel like sinners, then it's going to be really bad for their self-esteem. So don't do it. We're we're also told by expert not to preach on sin because it's negative. And people need to think positive in this day and age. And, and, and I don't know if you know this, but there's actually something called the Positive Bible. I don't know, Pastor Mike, if you've seen this, the Positive Bible, where they've taken out everything negative in the Bible. And it's just a little under 200 pages now. That should tell us something. But why are we letting this into the church? why is this happening the, the, we hear the self-esteem movement has come into the church and it's all over the place and and family do, do we even know that the self-esteem movement was actually started by a guy by the name of nathaniel Bryan or brandon and he was a disciple of an atheistic philosopher named ayn rand who is hostile towards god Do we know that um, positive thinking, the positive thinking movement, it has its roots in Eastern mysticism and Buddhism and really from others who reject Christ as Lord of all the earth and we're letting this in? Why? Because it makes us feel better, doesn't it? I mean, I, I remember growing up and we learned this when we were young. You know, you got to think positive, because if you think positive and you think that you can do it, then, you know, you can accomplish anything. But I don't know, for you Gen Xers out there, I, we used to believe that, we used to follow it, but I found out that, hey, you know what, there's no amount of positive thinking that I could have done for me to be playing center for the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> A disappointment, but yet we still listen. Because isn't it telling us what we really want to hear? Because, yeah, we don't like hearing that we're sinners. But it's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. God is calling us to preach the word. And he says that his word will accomplish its purpose. Do we believe it? Do we even know or remember that it is God's word that actually created the universe? That on Sundays, we can come into God's house, and we can hear the words that created the universe. You can hear them being proclaimed here every Sunday. But, you know, football's on. You know, and I I don't know... uh, Young, uh, young parents. You know, you got your kid in soccer and football and in baseball. They got games on Sundays now. My son can't play football because it's on Sunday. And on Sundays, right here in in Kahului Baptist Church, you get to hear. You get to hear the words that spoke the entire universe into existence. My question has always been this. We don't want to tell people that they're sinners, but how do you, how do you get the gospel that Jesus died for our sins? How, how does that make any sense to an individual who doesn't think they sin? Hey, Pastor Jane, I'm not a sinner. Well, I got good news for you, man. Jesus died for your sins. Uh, thank you. Think about that. Do we believe that God's word will accomplish its purpose? The second thing, do priests do what they want to do? This, again, is unthinkable. What are priests supposed to do? They're supposed to follow the directives of God. I mean, even priests that, not, not, even, not even priests in, in Old Testament times or, or in Judaism or even Christianity, I mean, just priests in cultic um, um, systems, Even those priests follow the directives of their gods. That's what priests do. So if you're not going to follow the directive of God, then you're not doing what a priest is supposed to do. This is unthinkable. It's not even who you are. The priests did what they wanted to do, whatever they wanted to do, whatever their little hearts desired, what they thought was best for the people of God or themselves, They followed their own heart instead of God's direction. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1 and 2. Ezekiel 34, 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? Now, An influential pastor in Hawaii sent out an email to a lot of us pastors in Honolulu. Oh, did something change? That was weird. It was like my voice did something. It was almost, I don't know, creative. (laughs) A pastor, an influential pastor sent an email to pastors in Honolulu. And what it was was an email concerning an incident that happened with his assistant. His assistant came to the pastor to say, Pastor, I'm going to resign from this church because you know what? I'm just not getting fed. And this influential pastor was appalled. He could not believe he heard what he just heard. He is just like, after all these years, have you not understood what I've been trying to do? I'm not here to feed you. You need to feed yourself. Uh, This was an email. I'm reading this. And he said, I right away accepted his resignation because I do not want people like that here. You don't want sheep that want to be fed the word of God in your church? Because listen to the scripture that we just read. Isn't God saying the exact opposite of that? They, he was judging them for feeding themselves. <laughs> Aren't shepherds supposed to feed the sheep? Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know I do. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? God, what, why, why do you keep asking me this? You're making me nervous. Of, of course I love you. Then feed my Sheep. He didn't say, then go out there and teach my sheep how to feed themselves. Jeremiah 23, verse 1 Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastor, declares the Lord. How are the sheep scattered? Bad leadership, bad shepherding. Today we are losing our grip on how we do ministry because many churches are even acknowledging that it's not the job of the pastor to feed the sheep anymore. Well, then what's the job of the pastor? The job of the pastor, and uh, I mean, it's so technical to say it, but let me just say it this way. His job is to entertain goats. Now, I know this is going to sound weird to you, but just kind of follow with me. Okay, this is going to sound very strange with me saying this. You know, you guys actually may pull the plug and want to throw me out after I say this. But I... We've got to understand that getting unbelievers to come to church is not the priority. <gasps> Whoa, that's different. Because the church essentially is the gathering of saints, believers. This is where saints of God are supposed to come to be Fed, taught, equipped. But if that's not happening, because we're entertaining goats, then where are the saint or the saints and the sheep are? Where are they supposed to go to get fed? What is the pastor supposed to do? He's supposed to entertain goats. He needs to get these people to come to church because this is what the stockholders want. This is the bottom line. But you know what? Believers they don't like to go to church, so. What we got to do is we got to make church more appealing, and we're doing that. But you know how we're doing it? We're making the church more like the world. We're making the church more like the world. We're bringing the world into the church in order for us to be able to operate the way we are. And let me tell you something. You wouldn't do that with your own home. I mean, think about it, Christian. You're going to invite the world to come in to influence your household, to influence your children? No, we wouldn't even do that with our house. We wouldn't even do that with our home. So, you know, what, what are we doing? How do, how, do we, uh, how do we comprehend this? Where are we supposed to move? What's the next step? Well, maybe it should be a clue. Maybe running the church like a business instead of a family... You hear that? Running the church like a business instead of a family. Maybe that's not right. Family, we don't bring the world into the church to reach the world. We bring the church into the world to reach the world. We're told to go and make, not come and see. But Shane, so what? I mean, people are coming, and, and they're worshiping. They're worshiping God. So it doesn't matter what we do as long as they worship God, right? Oh, it absolutely does matter how we worship God. Just ask Nadab and Abihu. Do you know with Nahab and Abihu that offering burning incense in the, in the tabernacle, that that's what they're supposed to do? You know, so we got the general idea, yes, we're supposed to worship God. And they're supposed to offer incense. They're supposed to offer fire. They're supposed to give it to God. That's what they're called to do. But this situation, what happened? They offered strange fire or fire that wasn't regulated by God, fire that God didn't tell them to do. And what happened to them? Done. Dead. And it seems as if Aaron was pretty upset with God. And Aaron was just like, why would God do this? You know, this is what they're supposed to do. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is Leviticus chapter 10 verse 3, Leviticus 10.3. Then Moses said to Aaron, it is what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people... I will be honored. Did you hear that? I will be treated as holy, and I will be honored if you guys are going to come to me. It's not that we worship. It's not just that we worship. It's important as to how we worship. We must honor him and treat him as Holy. But family, though it seems that sin continues to cause us to believe lies and to take control of our own lives, family, take heart. Christ will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He will ensure that when the end comes, we will not die. We will dance. So last thing. Horrible thing. Unthinkable thing. There's lies, and there's manipulation, and priests are taking advantage of the people and the people love it. I mean, just think about that. Just just right now. I think we can all, like, attest to this, right? It's like, you know, we don't like it when people lie to us. I mean, if I ask you, do you like people lying to you? Your first initial response wouldn't be, uh, yeah, I love it. Um, do you like it when people manipulate you and to make you do things that you don't want to do? I mean, I mean, authority in our country. I mean, just don't tell me what to do. Well, we don't like that. But they loved it this way. That's what was going on with them, and they loved it. This was a sad thing. This is what they want. And the mentality of the church today is the customer is always right. Give them what they want. Don't you want to have a satisfied customer sitting in your pew? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. 2 Timothy 4, three, 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Oh, man. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 9 through 10. Isaiah 30, 9 to 10. For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, you must not see. And to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. And what kind of people actually love it this way? rebellious people. We can't love it this way. I mean, we see today some people and members of churches are wishing their pastors would be more like popular teachers who, who don't follow the word. They, 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 want the, they want the pastor to make me feel good at church. And, and you know what? Lie if you have to. I've had a hard week. I've had nothing but negativity all week long. I just want to feel good when I go to church. I don't want to feel bad when I go to church. I can get that Monday through Friday. So, you know what? Just lie to me. Ignorance is bliss. You know what, Pastor? And, and you'll get this. Hopefully, from not from anybody here, Randy. But you'll get this. Pastor, you've got to go with What's popular? You know, you want we want success in the church. You got to go with what's popular. You got to go with what's successful. You got to go with what works. You have to create more programs. You got to do more activities. Okay, fine. Um, Will you help me with that? Uh, No. Um, I, I. I'm too. I'm too busy right now. You know, I, I got yoga on Monday. I got, you know, my weekly massage on Tuesday. You know, my son has basketball on Wednesday. Thursday night is movie night. Friday night is date night. And Saturday, you know, I'm busy all day and all night. But, uh, you know, Sunday I go to church. But, you know, after church, that time from Sunday till Monday, that, that's my personal time to do what I want to do. Pastor, I'm sorry. I, I can't help you. But let me tell you something, you better get to work on it, or I'm going to go someplace else. That's just the way it is. The customer is always right. But some of you are saying this today, you know what, I don't want a pastor like that. Yeah, you're, you're right, Pastor Shane, you listened, I heard that, yes, okay, I don't want him to lie. I don't want, I don't want a seeker-driven, entertainment-type pastor then don't be a seeker-driven, entertainment-type church member. Hello? Because if we do this, it's going to put... Um, just unnecessary stress upon the, the shoulders of the pastor church you need to guard his heart he is going to struggle he is going to stress on monday he's going to have to fight against vanity envy insecurity stress impatience impulsiveness and countless other things because he if he wants to run church right in our society today it's really difficult to do it's like i tell my wife all the time it feels like you're swimming upstream It's like pastors today are like salmon. But you know what happens when the certain time comes with the salmon? They die. (laughs) Or they get eaten by a bear. You got to help him. And you help him by this. Don't love the lies. Don't love those that do it their way. Do not love it that way. Support your pastor when he leads the church in God's counsel. Encourage your pastor when he preaches the truth. Pastor Mike taught you for all these years to love the word of God. Please continue to love it with Pastor Randy. Love the truth. There is a huge amount of stress and pressure on pastors. I, You know, we're dealing with a highly judgmental culture. And, and you know, I, I told you know pastor randy this last night i mean I, I this has actually happened you know we get together with pastors and um when some of these large church pastors find out that you know oh you know shane you you pastor a small church oh well, yeah a small church um well you you probably should quit then because this is obviously not your gifting i've heard that several times um you know what? I get and I, this is the other one I get. Oh oh you know what? You you poor baby. Don't worry, God will help you someday. Sometimes as a pastor, yeah, you do feel less of a pastor, but sometimes you can feel less than a man. There's burnout, desire to quit. It's all real. I was asked by Robert Miller, the former president of the H.P. Baptist Convention, and he asked me, so Shane, you've done pretty good here, so what are your, uh, your future plans? I tell him, you know what? It's funny. When seminary was done, when it came to pastoring, man, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be number one. I want to... Win the race. And you know what I told him? After 23 years of ministry, I just hope I finish. Church, don't love it that way. Love it God's way. Nothing encourages a servant more than watching his king honored and cherished. So, as I close here, what are you going to do when the end comes? Are you ready? Because Pastor Randy, and we've talked, Pastor Randy, that's all he wants to do is get you ready. Everything he does is going to be helping you to get ready. And family, friends, you need to believe that it is coming. And at so many times and in so many ways... We just have this tendency to love the darkness instead of the light because our deeds are evil. We want to hide within our sins. We're all guilty of lies. We're guilty of believing them, loving them, and even spreading them. We are all guilty of ruling our lives, doing what we want, when we want, who we want, and we will worship a God who will only do what we want. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. So let me say this again. What will you do when the end comes? There is nothing you can do. Wow. Uh, they, were, they were right about you, Shane. You, you really do have a way of making people feel bad. <laughs> but you know what? I love it because I get to give you the good news. Just like the grasshopper, go back to the story, he couldn't do anything, it was already too late. But the grasshopper lived because he went to the the ants and he went in there and he begged the queen, he says, I'm so sorry, You, you were right. And he begged the queen for mercy and she told the grasshopper, go, take your fiddle and dance. Just like she had mercy on the grasshoppers, so our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has mercy upon us. Though when I ask the question, what will we do when the end comes, you say, nothing. But I can tell you this, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, family, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord... You will be saved. And these are promises given by a God who cannot lie. This is the good news. Rejoice because Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day. All according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and worthy of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into this world to do what? To save sinners. And today... We can have hope when the end comes. Because here's another promise. The promise you get in Philippians, my favorite. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's not about what you've done. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done on the cross. Well, well, Pastor Shane, that's, that's strange, man. You, you, can't, you can't say this kind of stuff to people. If you, if you let people off the hook like that, they're going to do whatever you, they want to do, the very thing that you're telling them not to do. I love it. The same question was asked of John Bunyan by the Anabaptists. We, we don't actually, Southern Baptists, we don't technically, we don't descend from Anabaptists. So, you know, take a deep breath. But the Anabaptist. Chastise John Bunyan for that. You can't tell them that. You can't tell them that it's not about what they do. it's not about what they've done. it's not about what they're going to do, that it's all about Christ. You can't do them that. Do that because they're going to take that and they're going to do whatever they want to do. And you know what John Bunyan says? God's people will do what He wants them to do. God's people will do. What he wants to do. Our Lord is faithful. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will not let us go. And family, though we look in the world and it seems that sin continues to cause us to believe lies and to take control of our lives, rejoice. Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Rejoice because he will ensure that when the day comes, when the end comes, we will not die, we will dance. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for encouragement. Father, we thank you that we don't have to run from the truth. We don't have to run from the light. Yeah, if we're honest with ourselves, we see that we've come so short in so many ways. And and we know, just as you know, we're going to walk out of these doors and sin is just going to be there. But Father, I thank you that we can rejoice that the blood of Jesus covers covers all our sins, the sins that we even know not of. Father, I pray that you create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. Lord, please don't ever cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Lord, we pray that every Sunday, when we all come here on Sundays, that you will restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Renew a right spirit within us, Lord. And Father, there may be some here today that don't know you, but Father, the Holy Spirit began to work in their heart, and you've given them a new heart. And right now they're sitting there, and they believe. They believe that you are the Son of God, Father. We pray that you help them, help them to move forward, help them to connect with Pastor Randy here at Kahului Baptist. And for all everyone else, Lord, help us to be salt and light in this world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.